Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Tom, are you ready to correct our terrible Pack Your Knives Top Chef draft history? I am so ready to be just so bad at this. I don't know what's going to happen. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, it's time for the Season 18 draft. Last week, we previewed the contestants sight unseen and now we've gotten a glimpse of them in action first in a quick fire team composition then in the elimination challenge a lot to glean what's important what's not what's circumstantial what's not and i I don't want to take any more time i mean I, i just think we should go right into the draft um i have a trade proposal before Whoa! we start, though. 
noise, big noise and things, fireworks, explosions. Wow, we've got a trade proposal. Let's hear it. Tom, I will trade you the second pick, the third pick, and the sixth pick for the first pick, the fourth pick, and the ninth pick. Okay. Well, let's back up here. So the draft order right now is me. I get the first pick as I won last year, last season's draft. I'm 3-0 and in the fantasy scoring, by the way. Um, last year, I won, so I get the first pick. Then you have 2-3. Then I have 4-5. You have 6-7, et cetera, et cetera. You are offering me, in exchange for the number one pick, all right, let's write I'm this basically, down. here's what I'm saying. Yeah. You've got one and four. I've got two and three. We switch that, and in exchange for switching that, you get my six for your nine. Okay. That's not a bad trade. Um, so I would be getting four, five. No, I would be getting two, three, six. No, you still have your five. You'd have two, oh, three, five, and oh. six, Tom. Um, I'm going to accept that trade. The oh, new tra- we have a trade. The new trade. We have a trade. <laughs> the new draft. The new draft. I'm very nervous about this. The new draft order is Kevin gets the first pick. I get the second and third. All right, I'm writing this down. You get the fourth. I get the fifth. Sixth, you get the seventh. I get the eighth. You get. Well, the, you get. Don't you get the? You traded you me get, one. You get five, six, and seven, don't you? No, because you originally had seven. Did you trade me? Seven? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. No, I'm not trading seven. Right. Right. Okay. But the point is, is you now have four of the first six picks. I do. I'm very excited about this. Um, All right. I have, I have four of the first six picks, and uh, you get your first swing at this. This is the first time I believe you've ever drafted first, and I, I want to hear kind of your thinking here on why you propose this trade. I'm happy to make uh, the trade, Kevin. I have found my Luca. Uh, I feel like there is a contestant here that is... You're Luka Doncic. I don't want to say you're, leaps you're, and bounds, but I think the probabilities... Based on technique, based on what I saw in the early going, I think there is a contestant that is in a field of 15 as big a favorite as you can be. Wow. I think I know who it is, but um, I think that's a bold statement after one episode. This isn't an all-star season, Kevin. This isn't like we've seen them before. We've seen one episode, but you have seen so much in that episode, in that tape. And I guess the bio, the background, the technique to say this is the biggest favorite of our P, uh, PYK draft history. Yeah. And by the way, and I'll, and I'll give you some other logic after I name the pick uh, of, of why I do the trade. With the first pick in the season 18, pack your knives draft. Kevin selects Shota Nakajima from Seattle, Washington. Wow. So that is that is who I had number one on my big board. I probably I figured that as well. Um, I, I just think, and by the way, I am now determined as I as I wrote the good PR folks at at Bravo. I need a tutorial on 
the soy braise method because I do duck breast here on a weekly basis and I have nailed it. But, you know, I do it with a little plum compote. I don't really screw around with method. I'm, I'm sort of going 101 and it's great. But I need to learn this. I think the pumpkin white miso puree, Tom, those looked like Top Chef finale plates. Um, what he did, you know, he had kelp as his essential ingredient. I just think there is skill, mm. there is poise. He was cool as a cucumber, um, and, and that that's why I'm I had him number one. And I will tell you the other rationale. So we're basically trading one, four, two, three. You could argue in terms of value; those are about even. I think when we get down to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I don't think it matters a damn bit. And mm. so, if you want my six, I'll take your nine. We are so incompetent, Tom. That I truly believe <laughs> that we have randomized the middle of the draft. And um, so that was sort of my thing. I, yeah. I want Shota. I want to root for Shota. That's my kind of food. Uh, I just think there's a really gifted chef here who could just be one of – he could put together one of the great seasons in Top Chef history. Wow. Wow. That's bold. I mean I, th- I had him number one on my big board and for all the reasons you listed. Um, I will say that – Last year, I drafted Gregory Gorday, uh, number one on the last year's draft, and he performed extraordinarily well for me. I would say we're not totally incompetent because last year, and by the way, we're going to have Gregory on the show later today. We will um, have Gregory on the show momentarily, not momentarily, like hourly terrorly. I'm so excited to talk to Gregory. Um, so Chef Gregory, he was a phenom. He won, I think, like four episodes before he got injured. And this is kind of, you know, this happens in the NBA. Is The team is steamrolling through the playoffs. Steph Curry t- tears his M- MCL and then all shit hits the fan. And uh, Gregory didn't win last season, but he was on that trajectory. Melissa King, totally a deserving winner last year. But keep in mind, Kevin, this is, might might have gone into your thinking here. In our draft, here is where the eventual Top Chef winner was drafted. Last year, Melissa King was the eighth pick in the draft. The year before that, Kelsey was the 10th pick in the draft. The year before that, Joe Flam was eliminated, came back to Last Chance Kitchen, went back into the competition and won it all. Joe Flam won the competition as the sixth pick in our draft. So six through 10 over the last three years has been that sweet spot. And that's what you're trading into, you're saying. That is what I'm trading into. So, Tom, you now have two and three. Okay. And um, I, I also have five and six, by the way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm feeling right. pretty stocked right here. All right. Um, chef two and three. Okay. I'm going to go with Chef Gabe Iralis. Gabe got a lot of showtime in this show, a lot. In fact, in the very beginning, he got some showtime um, and also backed it up. They loved his 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 dishes. Um, I think he was very well composed. Uh, he just seems like a chef that really understands his cooking and very confident in his cooking, unlike Sarah, who won the whole thing without being having the confidence of feeling like she had the winning dish. So I'm going with uh, Gabe Aralis. For my number two pick, how do you feel about that? He was second on my board as well. Um, there's a lot to like there. I, I just, you know, it's funny. I don't know if we're falling into the duck trap. Mm. Duck is so much easier than any of those other proteins, right? Like, it's not a coincidence that no one with turkey got anywhere near, you know, the top four. 
Um, you know, Chucker's sort of an unknown quantity. You know, Squab is is temperamental. I I, I don't know, but I I just saw what I saw with the with the the glaze and the figs and the pasilla mihe. Like, there's a lot of composition there. I'm with you. He was second on my board. Okay, number three on my list. I'm 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 swaying here. I don't know exactly what I'm going to go here. Oh, you have your board, man. You're Tom Abbott. You got your board. I'm going to go with number three pick. Team Haberstro selects Don Burrell. Interesting. I think that's a good pick. Tell me why, though. I think her Olympic history. I'm going to go with the. Maybe I'm a sport biased here, but I really do believe that. Um, her Olympic history is going to help her in this competition. It did not show in episode one. She left, uh, she left her element on the, the sauce off the plate, and that really hurt her um, at the at the at the end at the judges' table. However, I do think that there was enough promise in this episode. Plus, I think that moment with Jamie when Jamie was putting the sauce on the skin side up she lost her shit and she also looked at the camera broke down the fourth wall I don't think we've ever had this Kevin and I loved this moment is when Jamie messed up that dish and put the sauce on the on the skin side up she looks at the camera did you notice that we're we're officially in postmodern top chef we, I don't think we've ever had this moment where they break down the fourth wall, the office style, and she looks at the camera like, are you effing serious right now? I thought that was a glorious moment. She has a command of the room. Um, she knows the Top Chef game. She was she owned her mistakes at the end. And also, even though she didn't have her sauce on that dish, the final plating, she owned it up and she said, I'm going to nail these other ingredients. And the judges love the other ingredients. So I just – I know she kind of tripped – not to use a, a, a track and field uh, uh, analogy here. She tripped out of the starting gate with that dish, not c- completing the plating there on time. But I really believe in Dawn and, and her ability to cook. I just think all of the – you have to have a certain disposition and competition, com- competitive fire to be an Olympian and one of the best chefs in the world. And I just love Don Burrell's uh, profile. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, for many of the same reasons, right? Like she's competitive, and you have to be really competitive. The fact that naked turkey was good enough for the judges to keep her off the bottom again—I think turkey is garbage. I don't know why we cook with it. You, when's the last time anyone went to a decent restaurant, uh, fine dining experience, or even—I mean, hell, even even non-fine dining experience? and seen turkey on the menu. There's a reason for that. We <laughs> celebrated in this country because a bunch of people in funny hats, it was the only wild thing running around and they ha- they were going to starve. And so they ate turkey. And that's the only reason this thing has a, such a prominent place. When you go over to the great culinary capitals, no one has, has, has turkey anywhere. But yeah, I'm with you. Uh, a rice fritter, that's tough to do naked on a plate. Yep. She did that, the, the turkey. And I think some in some ways, hey, she got – if she has time management issues, she certainly got the alarm. And so I, I think it's a really strong pick, um, and uh, I, I, I applaud it. Now, I, I got I to stop here, Kevin, and remind people we do this draft every year. We might be doing some trades. We've done some trades before midseason. I'm not ready to go for another trade here at the draft night, but I will say – 
I am surprised by the fact that there is still the elimination ch- first elimination challenge winner on the board at, at pick number four. This has not happened in Top Chef p- Pack Your Knives draft history. The number one, uh, the winner of the elimination, the first elimination challenge has always gone number one. Last year is Gregory Gorday. The year before that um, was uh, was Natalie, and the year before that was Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson was kicked off two episodes later, I believe, and Natalie was kicked off the previous episode, so I feel, or the next episode. So I kind of feel like Kevin, maybe we're learning a little bit more. Is that the first elimination challenge is not the best predictor, even though six of the last six of the seventeen Top Chef. Um, First elimination challenge winners went on to win the whole thing. 35% of the first elimination challenge winners went on to win the whole thing. Just to put that in perspective, that's such a high rate. Just to put that in perspective, Kevin. Look at the accordingly, (laughs) accordingly with the fourth pick, (laughs) with the fourth pick, Kevin Arnavit selects. I select Sarah Halman. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I, I, you know, that stat was not lost on me either. And the other thing is, look, I, I'm with you in the sense that you you always are a little skeptical of the self-deprecating, doesn't have any confidence, can't accept a compliment chef. But I also think there there's also a history of aw shucksing your way to the finale. And I, I think Sarah's going to aw shucks her way to the finale. You can't look, Tom, at that plate with those components – the grilled quail, the green beans, the charred dates, and the eggplant coconut yogurt, that is a grown-ass plate of food. Um, you know, grilled quail, not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I you know, and I, I just think I, I like the fact that she came in with, with anchovies. This is someone who knows how to cook. She seems unflappable. Uh, I think to a certain extent, you know, being on the other end of the spectrum from Dawn, in terms of just fire in the kitchen. Like, I think that like you can use that to your advantage as well. Kevin, Um, I I, love Dawn as a contestant. I love Sarah for different reasons, but I just think, you know, it's one of the things. Can I imagine her like turning out a clunker on any given show? It's very hard to imagine what I've seen thus far that she turned out a clunker. She's on the top. I've been both competitions. I I think sometimes Occam razor should govern us and it's going to govern me here. I don't hate the pick. I was debating between Dawn and Sarah there. So uh, me, when I was waffling between two picks, it was Sarah. And I'm, I'm looking at the stats here, Kevin. The analytics show that the winning the first elimination challenge of the first like six challenges is the most important or the best predictor in Top Chef history of winning the whole damn thing. Six out of the 17 winners on the first day end up winning the whole damn thing. And seven, if you count Nina Compton over Nicholas Helmy in, in the uh, in the in that season. Uh, Nina Compton won the first elimination challenge and went to the to the finals. Ten out of the 17, Kevin. Ten out of the 17 first elimination challenge winners went to the final. So Sarah Hellman is a fantastic pick. Also, I do love the the whole um you know, the fact that she is uh, working at a vineyard, I feel like that's going to come into play uh, later on in the competition when they start using a lot of the the hometown. Uh, she's a head chef of Soder Vineyards, the hometown favorite. I do, I do think, though, that there is a little bit of a lower floor here with Sarah because of the fact that she was so uh, not confident. And I love the fact that Tom Colicchio at the, at the finals, judge, the judges table saying, whoever made this dish was an extremely confident chef. And right, then it turns right, right. out it was the complete opposite. And I... 
What I worry about with Sarah is that she's going to get inside her own head. And I think it's going to kind of mind fuck her here a little bit is just, I won, but I wasn't confident in it with it. Should I go with my first gut? Should I, should I switch it up? But man, that coconut explosion, I'm already regretting not going with, uh, with Sarah at number three, that dish was so inventive. And even though she wasn't totally sure about it, uh, that was a, a super impressive dish. Fifth pick, the number five pick in the Pack Your Knives number four draft, season 18. I'm going to go with Gabrielle Pascuzzi. Gabrielle is someone that kind of irked me, like it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. A little irked how often he mentioned that he had worked with Tom Colicchio, right? Kind of like every chance he get, he was like, oh, by the way, you remember uh, you and me back in the day, Tom? I remember when I was your, your chef and I was kind of annoyed by that, but I also think he's super strong in this competition. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I figured that's who we're going to go for. was hoping he dropped to seven uh, but uh, for me, but not going to happen. And I think as I, I taught Tom articulated it really well, I, I think there's something to be said for having the confidence just to put a couple of components on a dish, you know, a subtle honey plum sauce, roasted squab. Like it, 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 it was a, again, it was a grown ass plate of food. And um, I, and by the way, I still love the sandwich menu at his joint in Portland, but yeah, it, this is a really strong pick. And again, I, I was hoping that maybe he would drop, but pretty much knew that, that you would take him here. Yeah. Did you know that he worked for Tom Colicchio, Kevin? I don't know if you knew <laughs> after, after the end of that episode, you, you figured it out. But yes, G- Gabriel, I'm going with Gabriel um, with my fifth pick. Sixth pick. I get the sixth pick here. Yes, you do. I'm going with Nelson Herman. Okay. Nelson Herman uh, knows his cooking, Dominican inspired. Um, he, he, he made a dish that the judges said it, uh, it feels like my mom's cooking. Um, this is something where I just feel like he knows who he is. Um, he's got an incredible background. Um, I, I feel like he is steady in the kitchen. I didn't see any, any sort of, uh, stress in there. And I kind of felt like Nelson Herman, um, at the end of the day is going to be a really good workhorse in the kitchen. I, I, I really like Nelson Herman's, uh, his profile here. With the seventh pick, I select. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box. Butcher Box is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal 
ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Chris Vaud from Milford, New Hampshire. Mm. Um. So, Tom, I, I think it was sort of an unfortunate episode for him. I mean, first is he comes in with butter. Totally reasonable thing to, to have that you can't live without in the kitchen. By the way, I, I do want to talk about the what, what could you not live without in the kitchen for a second. But, but look, and we'll do that after this pick. Um, I felt like, again, he was uh, dealt a bad hand in both portions of the show yeah right like you know they're working with kelp and rice vinegar it's sort of this japanese profile and then it's like butter um <laughs> it get, kind of gets lost uh because just simply put i mean there's this i can't think of anything l- less of a match in a kitchen than kelp and butter um and, and so but but he then gets the, the turkey breast oh turkey what are you gonna do with turkey oh i know you're gonna sous vide it like the fact that he had the instinct to know that this dry ass meat I mean, turkey breast is, is mm. again, garbage meat. Um, he has the good sense to sort of lock in the moisture, the rum braised turkey thigh, the farro, the corn puree. Like, I just think that was, like, the guy knows fine dining. He's got great instincts. The, the first episode didn't really provide him the circumstances to show it. But, again, this is not a guy I see making a lot of unforced errors. So at seven, can he last seven weeks? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think given his training, his instincts that, that I'm not worried about this guy getting bounced in the next month, Tom. So that's why I go with him. Number seven, the, the ingredient that you can't live without or that you must have. Yes. What, what did you think? Those choices, uh, I, I, you know, it was interesting because you had, you had two different approaches by the chefs. Some chefs chose staples, right? Like butter, Meyer lemon, just things that you need to have within arm's reach. You can't cook without it. Some people went with like a signature item, right? Like the smoked trout roe for Dawn. I mean, I would never, I would stretch to say that that's not something you're going to use in every single dish, but it's clearly something she enjoys as an accent to distinguish some of her finer dishes. And so it was interesting. I would have chosen shallots. And, mm. you know, it's funny. It's kind of something I learned in Kitchen Confidential uh, with the late Anthony Bourdain, his book, where one of the secrets to like good restaurant cooking is Lots of butter, lots of shallots, and I find shallots have just been really nice. Anything I cook, if it calls for onions, sometimes I do shallots instead. Uh, if I'm making a sauce, like shallots to me just add so much um, to any particular meal. Yeah, it was interesting. Some of the choices, Gruyere, Brittany went uh, with Gruyere, uh, Maria went with Mexican chocolate, Gabriel went with call fat. Like that one was hilarious, just watching them go through it. And Gabriel was kind of... You know, sometimes you need to be a little bit of a dick, and on on on, you know, in that in that grouping, he he clearly emerged as the the alpha in there, and it, it probably turned some people the wrong way. Notably, Maria was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Um, but you know, that was a really difficult combination of ingredients. There, I really love lemons, like the Meyer lemons pick. I I just love anytime you add the citrus of of a lemon, it brightens up just about any dish. I love that that choice. Hot peppers, oof, that one, like the scotch bonnet, Kiki choosing the scotch bonnet peppers. I love a good hot pepper, but 
I kind of feel like that is something that's going to be overpowering just about a- any dish. It's going to be so spicy. Interesting selection by her. I really liked um, <laughs> Ma- Mom's Chutney. Avashar choosing yeah. that as his as his ingredient. Uh, Byron with the mushroom powder and Nelson with the plantains. Plantains, again, like Nelson knows what he wants to do. Um, and that's why I picked him. So uh, with the eighth pick, right? I have the eighth pick, right, correct? You got, you got eight. All right, eighth pick, I'm going to go with Kiki. Kiki. Kiki Luya, um, she was, you know, rated one of the the black chefs that are changing America by the New York Times. Um, Didn't have the strongest outing in this, but in this episode. But I think in terms of her background and her ability to uh, to cook, I mean, she didn't get held with the 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 hand of the best hand there. Um, She got the quail peanut flavor profile. The judges didn't love it, but I like Kiki enough in this competition to, to give me value at number eight. Now I believe I have the next three picks. You do. Yep. Do you feel, Uh, do you feel confident like in the order of your next three or, or are you just, you know, I mean, I I think, I mean, this next pick I have sort of higher. Um, and, and, and with the ninth pick, uh, I will go with Maria Mazon from Tucson, Arizona. I think there's a lot of strength there. Um, I, you know, you know, you and I, I think both have like, do you get a lot of screen time? Should we expect you to be hanging around a little bit? There was a lot of screen time. Um, she's done some really cool things in her restaurant. It is, it is renowned. Uh, she, as you like to say, she, she knows who she is as a chef. Um, you know, I, I think everyone liked the enchilada, uh, Potosinas, and they were just super spicy. I could not have probably gotten that down. Uh, you know, it was a strange grouping in the in the in the initial quick fire challenge. So again, I don't know how much I should vest um, in, in that particular realm, but I think she's got some distance here, and I don't think she's going away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I, I like I like this pick. Um, I also feel like sometimes we, you know, I think she mentioned it is just people think, oh, tacos, right? Um, she goes with the Mexican chocolate, which is an interesting choice because I mean, you do want to bring some of your your story, your culture into that I- ingredient. But I also feel like that's not the most versatile of of ingredients. So part of me is is thinking maybe Maria understands the Top Chef game. Uh, not as well as some of the others. I, I didn't love right. that choice for the ingredient. But who's your who's your number number ten? And, and this is another um, another chef that I have higher than ten on my board, uh, and, and that's Brittany Anderson. Ah, you know, can't I, believe I she think, fell this far. Yeah. And look, I never want to be too much of a credentialist, but you know, we're talking about the two beard nominations. Um, at the end of the day, she gets this weird bird, the chucker. Uh, there was an error, which was, as, as as Padma said, sweet on sweet. Like, you've got the sweet potato puree. You might want to go with something a little more acidic, um, even potentially bitter. But she goes with the red grape sauce. I think that's correctable. She clearly knows how to cook. She's she's not someone who's going to screw up the protein. And um, and the Gruyere was sort of a wonderful uh, – like, they, they did real problem solving there, right, in that, in that mm. uh, quick fire, just to remind everybody – you know, she gets paired up with Gabriel, who's got call fat, which is essentially kind of the rich person's lard and Mexican chocolate. So a really strange combo there. Right. Um, and they turn it into this Gruyere gremolata. And though it sounds a little weird, what essentially is it's sort of a mutant pesto. Right. Like what's pesto? It's this sort of herbs with, you know, pecorino or Parmesan. And so they just did this sort of the herbs with Gruyere. So it, it's not as insane uh, as we thought. But I also thought. 
um, I, I think she's, I think she's going to hang around. Like, I don't, I don't, this is almost an insulting slot for her. Um, and I think I might get a bit of a steal here. Yeah, um, you, you did. And Kevin, we'll talk about credentialists uh, here again, not just about the Beard Award winners, but also there are no sous chefs here. What did you think of that when, when Padma announced that there are no sous chefs this, with this season of Top Chef? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, you would be better with the numbers. Do, how do sous chefs have a good history in Great. this show? Great question. Um, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But I thought right. it was thought it was interesting that we got uh, all fifteen chefs are leading the kitchen in their um, in in their in their back home at their restaurant. And I think you know we, we'll talk about Sarah again here. There's a little bit of Stephanie Simar here, where Stephanie I kind of feel like was a was a sous chef who was just a, a, an amazing amazing competitor last year just. Uh, barreling through the competition every step of the way. I just didn't feel like she deserved to be there or, or surprised that she got as far as she did. Um, so it's not as simple as like, you know what, if you're an up and coming chef, you don't have a shot at winning this whole thing. Like, I just thought it was, I never, I didn't really, when we were doing the bios, I didn't think, oh, we don't have any sous chefs here. So that was an interesting point by Padma uh, that makes this this season unique as well. So you got Maria at nine, Brittany at number 10. Who are you picking for the 11th pick in the PYK 4.0 draft. Uh, with the 11th pick, I choose Tony Collette or, or Sasha Grumman, who looks <laughs> identical to Tony Collette, one of my favorite actresses. So um, I, I, I'm going to take Sasha here. Uh, did not acquit herself well. Uh, screwing up Polenta should be a red flag, and it, it did drop me. It did drop her on my board. It just seems like this is this is sort of a staple starch. It, uh, any chef worth her salt should be able to kind of just nail it. Uh, there weren't a lot of other components here. Um, and so I, I'm a little apprehensive about her prospects, but she also seems to have a, a degree of confidence. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, hopefully this is, this is sort of just a, uh, a, a, a weird blip on her, on, on her record, but uh, yeah, let's give it a shot. I mean, we're now down, uh, you know, sort of the bottom four, and this is who I've got at 11. Okay, number 12, Jamie. Jamie is kind of like, um, what's his name? The the, the uh, Larvel Jones from Police Academy who just makes noises and he's the man of 10,000 sound effects. Yes. That's who Jamie is. She doesn't speak in sentences or words. She uses sounds, and I think this is adorable, but also... I, I know magical elves and the, and the judges panel are going to be completely objective and naming, you know, based on the merits of their dish. But I, sometimes I just kind of feel like they might keep her around because she is super entertaining. This is not to yeah. say she can't cook, but man, I, I can't remember a, a contestant that was this interesting. <laughs> just the, the fact that she just cooked, she communicates in sounds is, is fantastic. Yes. It's, it's R2D2 uh, in the <laughs> kitchen. And, um, yeah, it, it, she, she's an interesting contestant because I, I really thought, I mean, what I, everything I've read about her restaurant in Vegas, uh, I mean, sounds like she should be a really strong contestant. That did not look like a great plate of food. That looked like random ass components yeah. surrounding turkey, which again, uh, I mean, who knows? If if she draws duck, we might be having an entirely different conversation. Um, you, you sort of need to mask turkey with other stuff, but uh, it, it was too much on the plate. Um, no rhyme or reason for the composition. Yeah, kind, kind of uh, forgettable there. Yeah, Jamie Tran is going to be my number 12 pick. And the last pick that I have on my team 
So, so far I've got both Gabriels, both Gabes. I got Don, Nelson, Kiki, Jamie. And my final pick is going to be Byron Gomez. Byron here didn't have a strong showing here, but I'm a little afraid of Avishar going with a, uh, an Indian dish that did not play well at all. I just think there's an intimidation factor with Padma. He didn't nail it. And the fact that, you know, he couldn't cook rice really scared me away from Avishar. I'm going with Byron Gomez, who, like, he's he's a chef to the stars in the Hamptons and in Aspen. Um, I really like Byron. Um, I didn't like his dish here with the Thai-style claws. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really, really strong with the Thai uh, flavors. But at the end of the day, I just was a little afraid of Avishar here with with the plate that he gave at, at the at the judges table. Yeah, um, I've got some consolation with Avishar. He who's now my final pick, and he, this is uh, the last player on the board here. He did nail his protein, and I always I, I feel like in Top Chef, can you nail your protein? Keeps you out of the bottom for a few weeks. It really does. Um, I am as concerned as you are. I mean. I, and again, look, look, who am I? These people are all brilliant and I, I'm a home cook, but damn, Tom, like, can't be you know rice. how hard yeah. it is to screw up rice? I, I put a little, I mean, I like to put a little uh, chicken stock instead of water. You put a little duck fat I, I put in there sometimes just to kind of moisten it up, make it a little rich. Like it, it's really hard to, to turn out awful rice. And yet he turned out awful rice. Um, and so, so that, that, does concern me on the other hand you could argue look he ain't gonna make that mistake again that that is sort of the ultimate aberration i I don't believe for a second this is a chef who cannot cook rice um and so i should am a bit reassured that he knows how to fry some strange bird that no one's ever heard of um (laughs) because that's much harder so he did the difficult thing well and um so so maybe he does hang around again if you can if you can master your proteins you can generally stay out of the basement for a while Uh, tom we have kind of a we have a eulogy to deliver here. Um, a very sad uh, development in the, in the first episode. Let, let me ask you a question here. Can I draft Roscoe? Oh, yeah, I, that's right. Because we have like... Uh, we we, we have mean, seven he's, contestants he's each, chance. but he was he's going to Last Chance Kitchen. Um, you know, the debate is, are, is he just a negative on the board because he's already in Last Chance Kitchen? My question to you, Kevin, is, is would you grant me the, the waiver wire pickup of Roscoe? All right, but you have to, as long as you eat the negative points from this week, you don't just get free points, my friend. We were all, we're all, all, whatever happened in episode one is already in the past. None of no, the- my point is, is why do I give you an extra player who's going to generate points? There's no, what's the upside to me by giving you? Well, roster? the upside, Kevin, is you didn't even think he was available. So you obviously well, didn't. Well, that's because exactly- I ain't just didn't, but I mean, like the reason I'm available is precisely this reason. There, one of us will have eight and the other will have seven. What? Tom, let me ask you a question. What does the average contestant earn in points in a season? Uh, well, the, the thing is, is in Last Chance Kitchen, it's there's no upside in Last Chance Kitchen. It's not like you get a five five points for a win there. The upside is that he gets one point for every victory. Whereas if you're still in the competition, you have the upside in the next round, you can get 10 points for winning the elimination, right? So, um, you know, in, in years past, we had um, Chef Carey, as the 16th out of seven, 18 picks, Chef oh, yeah. Carey had 78 points and she went just, just about to the end of the competition. Um, 
she wasn't coming out of Last Chance Kitchen, but I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes there's value here on the uh, No, no, the there's value, but like, why should you get the value? <laughs> because <laughs> you, you just threw it away. You tossed it into the trash. I and thought I said, we were like I want that each. 15th pick. Anyway, I do want to, uh, um, no, you don't get him without like some sort of price. Like you don't, you don't just get a free, like what if he runs the table? Like what if he runs three tables and then you get three points? Um, or well, how about I'm this, so how about disappointed. What? I will trade you if you're so upset about this. Um, I will trade you Avishar for for Roscoe. You can have Roscoe, so, and I'll have Avishar. So this is what Tom is thinking. Tom is thinking that Avishar is going to eat a big ass negative five pretty soon, and that I'll get I'll get sort of stuck with that. Um, so you want Avishar? All oh, right, you want Avishar for for Roscoe? Yeah, I I think Avishar could be the next Brian I think Malarkey. Roscoe's off the board. We, there's an odd. They they do this weird thing now at Top Chef, which is they have 15, which is a very odd. So we need like there we need to like bring in Mina or somebody to be like the third player in our game, or we just have to live with the idea that there's an unclaimed contestant out there because I do think the seven and seven is like you don't get to play kickball one team with nine and one team with eight. I mean, back in the day you did because like who cared? There was always the kid playing in the sand and. You know, anyone can have him, and Roscoe's not playing in the sand. I'm very sad, Tom. Here's my question about Roscoe. You're a great pit master. You're working with duck. You know what's really good, Tom? Smoked duck. Yeah. Why aren't you doing why aren't you giving that duck the Rodney Scott treatment? Um, and he knows it, and he knew it right off the bat. He did something that wasn't him. Um, it, it didn't play out, but I'm just for a guy who works so beautifully with a protein that is beautifully smoked, it just seemed like a lost opportunity. Yeah, it's never good when the judges said it's a sad plate. Um, it just looks it was sad, a, sad a little sad. The broth was no good. The cooking was no good. It was full of grease. Um, I believe someone described it as a bowl full of fear, which is just yes, that amazing. <laughs> a bowl full of fear. Oh, my God. Um, it, it was not... It, he he didn't bring he didn't bring his best there, and um, I, I I think he can he can survive in Last Chance Kitchen, but it, it just seemed like he was a little out of his element there, not really giving. You know, some people are so confident in themselves and what they bring to the table. I, I almost feel like the artist in him decided to get a little too creative when he should have just stuck to smoke gravy, uh, smoke smoke duck, like you said. So. Um, yeah, it was a sad looking plate, very sad looking. And he he finishes, you know, he gets eliminated bottom four. I don't think it was a, a bit of a surprise that it was Roscoe. Yeah. Um, do you like your team, Tom? Do you like your team? Do you like Gabe, Gabriel, Don, Kiki, Nelson, Byron, and Jamie? Are you feeling confident headed into the season? I do. I do. I, I wanted both Gabes on my team. Um I really thought Don was was is as special potential here, and Shota. I know Shota is is a juggernaut. It looks like, um, but as we've seen the last two, uh, the the last few years, like whoever does really well showing out in the first episode, not necessarily a predictor of future success, but he was number one on my board, and and I might be I might be really upset here. You at the top, you get the elimination challenge winner and the what you think is the the head uh, the the odds on favorite. Right, I mean, uh, who I also determined was the runner-up in that in that um, thing. I mean, that was sort of my theory. Is is I've I've always I, I've I have outsmarted myself in re- past seasons, being a credentialist. Oh, this person has this award, or I oh I know the re- the fancy restaurant they cook at, or ooh look at that bio. In this season, I'm just saying I wanted I wanted two of the 
best three. I think there were like overwhelmingly three top performers this week. It was it was Shota, Gabe, and Sarah. I wanted two of them. I wanted to ensure I got two of them. Though actually, if I ensured I got two of them, I should have just kept two and three. But I really wanted Shota in one of those other two. Yeah, I was going to take Shota. But I, I, yeah, I wanted Shota and either Gabe or Sarah was just. By the way, really floored. I think your I think your boldest pick was Dawn at three. Um, not because I don't think she's great, but like, you know, Sarah there, you're, you're a probabilities guy and, and you basically handed yeah. me, well, then you me, handed me the, 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 the episode one winner. Here is the last four seasons finish of the elimination challenge. Okay. Last year, Gregory finished fifth by technicality, got injured, right? Yeah. Natalie season 16 finished 15th. Tyler won the first challenge, finished 13th. Casey in season 14 finished sixth. So in the last four years, the average finish of the first elimination challenge winner uh, was 9.8. So, Kevin, I'm wrestling between the two things, the recency bias or just the entire 17 seasons of Top Chef. Which one am I weighing more heavily? What's happened more recently or what happened, you know, in in previous decades where the Internet didn't exist? You know, like, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, So, Sarah... Maybe if I didn't do that math and looking at the recent history of the first elimination challenge winners, I, I would have taken Sarah there at number three. But I, I did get a little scared by the fact that the first episode recently has not been a great predictor of long-term success as much as we did in the first 13 seasons. Um, what are you looking forward to most? I really enjoyed seeing Dale Talde and Kwame and um, and Richard Blaze at the table. I miss those folks, and it's not necessarily an all star season where they're cooking, but I do think that this is this is really fun to see those familiar faces. I, I I'm really enjoying that factor this year. You know, it's it's I, I love the fact that with each passing season, there's now sort of these recognizable characters of the show. Um, Blaze is, is sort of a classic. Kwame's becoming a, a staple. Uh, I, I believe Melissa will be around for, for many more years. So that that's very cool. And hey, it's Gail Simmons. It's Gail Simmons. I'm very excited. <laughs> for Tom Habistro, this is Kevin Ornovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Mm-hmm.